Bird's Eye View welcomes you to the ninth Annual Bevy Awards. With appearances by Utah Street Report, Roar from 34, O's Windup, Give That Fan a Podcast, The Baseball Widows, Full Count Chaos, The Warehouse Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Jake English and Scott Magnus. Thank you, Jovial J, and welcome one and all to the 2021 Bevy Awards. Isn't this technically the second Bevy's Awards show we put out in 2021? All right, yes, technically that is true. But if ever there was a year for a mulligan, it was 2020. We're here now, and things are back to normal. That's right, things are back to normal. The Orioles are terrible. The fan base is tearing itself apart on Twitter, and the show is wildly unprepared and poorly delivered. Scott, as excited as we are to get back to the Bevy's, We have to acknowledge that this season has gone, well, about the way many of us expected. Yes, uh, despite our best efforts to fool ourselves, this is just not a very good team. And that was always by design. That's right. Maybe things happen the way we expected, but not necessarily the way that we'd hoped. Yeah, um, that's got a lot of Orioles fans on edge, as it were. Yeah, on edge is right. And look, I get being frustrated. But some fans are really starting to get agitated. My my least favorite move thus far is when someone will lash out in frustration and say, that's it, they can't take anymore, they're just tapping out as Orioles fans until things improve. Yeah, we talked a lot about that on our show, uh, about surviving through the dark ages. You think, you know, folks would have a little bit, um, you know, thicker skin, uh, including ourselves. Can you imagine, though, what it must be like? to be Mike Elias, to be dealing with all this criticism. You know, criticism about him going through with the exact plan that he laid out when he got to Baltimore. Oh, no. I have a feeling, uh, and I'm afraid of this, um, that you're going to take your imagined reaction of what Mike Elias is thinking, and you're going to put it to music. Me? To trust the process is a price you're not willing to pay You cry on the internet after a meaningless loss has gone by Why so sad? Remember we made an arrangement when Duquette went away Now you're getting all mad Remember despite your impatience I'm your man You'll be back Soon you see You'll remember that you love this team You'll be back In the stands Winning brings back those bandwagon fans Prospects rise ERAs fall We will see some October baseball And when Comes to shove. I will have this fully stocked farm system to remind you of my love. Da 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 no one will complain 
It's been, you know, a poor and abysmal performance with a lot of, you know, our hitters. But I think the pitching really has been uh, exasperating. We all knew coming into the season, um, Orioles pitching was going to be a disaster. But, you know, I think there are certain positives to take away from it. Um, You know, baseball, like we said, is back in 2021. Let's just admire, um, you know, the baseballs that continue to fly out of Camden Yards. Jar. Lather up and tar. Slap on the tack. Time to paint the black. When a batter comes around, you must tack it. Sunscreen trying out, you must tack it. Everything's going wrong, you must tack it. Now tack it. Onto seams. Shake it out. Get set. Go forward. Watch it fly. Try to catch it. It's not too late to tack it. Tack it good. As ball game goes on, you must tack it. Never sitting down till you tack it. No one's getting out. You must tack it. I say tack it. Tack it good. I say tack it. Tack it good. And there you have it, listeners. For better or worse, 
as well as my singing, the bevies are back. And let's give way to Jovial J and get this show started. Listeners, friends, and guests, it is my great pleasure to welcome back to the bevy stage our presenters. Returning for his ninth year as a bevy presenter, please welcome Derek Arnold of Utah Street Report. Greetings, Birdland. This is Derek Arnold of Utah Street Report. So this year at ESR, our bevy is about the worst take. As the rebuild trudges on, some fans are getting a little impatient. And as a result, there have been some truly awful takes on both social media and the um, local airwaves, things like that. And we are here to honor two of those takes and figure out which one is the absolute worst of 2021. Our first nominee comes to you from none other than yours truly and some other folks. Take number one, Brandon Hyde should be fired. Nominee number two comes to us from some guy that writes for Vox or something like that. I don't know. He's got like 50,000 followers. Everyone saw the hubbub. But his take was that Mike Elias, Orioles GM Mike Elias, is a failure. So who gets the bevy? We put it to a vote on Twitter, of course. And by a margin of 76% to 24%, the worst take of 2021 so far is that Mike Elias is a failure. Please welcome Scott Magnus of the Bird's Eye View podcast. All right. Coming into our first award for the bevies of 2021, uh, coming from me and Jake, uh, this is going to go to the Oh Mercy Glaber Torres Award. Yes, this is going to go to the individual uh, that is not part of the Baltimore Orioles, um, but that has caused Gary Thorne to scream out in mercy, why are you still pitching to him? Please walk him as I take my eighth shot on the air. So folks, let's go through some of the candidates this year for the Glaber Tories Award. And you know, there's going to be some individuals here um, that are, are not that much of a surprise. So our first candidate comes to be Aaron Judge. He's posted some really impressive numbers from the New York Yankees. He's posting a 409 weighted runs created plus uh, against the Baltimore Orioles in 32 plate appearances. Uh, seven home runs, uh, a slugging percentage of 1.385, an OPS of 2.01. Yeah, pretty darn impressive nonetheless. That must be fun to watch if you don't root for the Orioles. Absolutely. Uh, next, J.D. Martinez, who I think has been a periodical uh, thorn uh, in Orioles fans uh, for the past few years. Is that thorn with an E? It is thorn with an E, Absolutely. Uh, once again, posting some pretty ridiculous number of a 1.306 OPS, uh, a 247 weighted runs created plus, and a 545 Babbitt. So even if he's not hitting for as much power as Jay, uh, Aaron Judge, um, he is literally hitting the ball all across the field and is somehow managing to get in there. Third candidate is going to be Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who is, you know, obviously not just destroying the Orioles, but is leading most of the American League at this given time and is potentially a triple crown candidate. So ultimately, I don't feel too bad uh, about this, uh, all things considering, um, as it relates to OPS. Um, and then, you know, another individual that I thought was interesting that, you know, we haven't played a lot, but we've played seven games against is Jose Abreu uh, from the Chicago White Sox, posting a 1.317 OPS, a 258 weighted runs created plus, in a nine weighted runs created um, during that only nine game stretch. So yeah, 
he has been bopping balls out left and right in a, in a short spread here. So those are the four candidates this year for the Glaber Tories Award. Uh, let's go ahead and see who we have as the winner. And I'm opening up the envelope. And uh, the winner is, well, apparently it had to stay in pinstripes. It's going to be Aaron Judge this year for the Glaber Tories Award. Um, let's see if we can get Gary back on the air and uh, make him have a little bit, few more drinks in the future. Returning for his fifth year as a bevy presenter, please welcome Ryan Blake of Give That Fan a Podcast. How's it going, Oriole fans? I'm Ryan Blake, uh, host of Give That Fan a Podcast. Uh, thank you, as always, to Scott and Jake for inviting me to participate in this year's Bevy Award. Uh, as always, I'm, I'm truly appreciative of, of their offer to come back on the show. And uh, this year, I will be presenting with my lovely girlfriend, Megan, who is here alongside me, and I wanted to get her involved somehow. So, Megan, go ahead and say something to the people. Hello, people. That'll work. I definitely did not script her lines, so if they sound scripted, uh, they're not. Keep that in mind. Uh, but we're going to be giving out the new Ryan Flaherty Award, which will be given to the utility player who is not very good and yet seems to be liked by the fans on some level. Well, Ryan, why would the fans choose to like someone who's not a very good player? Great question, Megan. Uh, I was never a big Flaherty guy myself, to be honest. I mean, I liked him. I thought he was okay, but um, he was a below average hitter. And the argument in favor of Flaherty was that you could kind of stick him anywhere in the field. Which, yeah, I guess that's the case, but I could put DJ Stewart at shortstop. It doesn't mean he's going to play well. You know, he, he was he was pretty below average at just about every position except for second base and third base, where the O's already had Jonathan Scope and Manny Machado, uh, respectively, when they were healthy, very solid defenders in their own right. Machado, of course, a platinum glove winner. Uh, but Flaherty, of course, is now a scouting and development coach with the Padres. He's reunited with the likes of Machado and first base coach Wayne Kirby. Uh, but anyway, Megan will go ahead and list this year's nominees. So this year's nominees for the new Ryan Flaherty Award are Stevie Wilkerson, Pat Valeka, Ramon Urias, and Domingo Leba. And the winner is... This is as good of a drum roll as we're going to get. Pat Valeka. Stevie was the early frontrunner for the award, but was recently designated for assignment, and I kind of figured the winner should be someone on the active roster, so we went with Pat. Uh, Patty Barrels, Patty Bow, Pat the Bat, Valeka the Reka, if you enjoy the nicknames Mike Bordick likes to give out. Uh, Valeka's a below-average player who's been able to stick around and become sort of a fan favorite, I guess due to his meme ability, if you will. Uh, his walk-off single against the Rays last August and the socially distanced celebration with his teammates kind of cemented his place in the heart of Orioles fans, and although I think most of us kind of understand that he's not a great ball player, unlike the perception that the fans had of Ryan Flaherty, uh, Valeka is this year's winner of the new Ryan Flaherty Award. Make sure you check out Give That Fan a Podcast, hosted by my boyfriend on Utah Street Report, and follow him on Twitter at RyeGuyBlake and Orioles Fan Probs with a Z. I guess if I was going to pretend this was unscripted, I should have written lines that didn't sound so scripted. But nonetheless, I agree with Megan. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at those handles that she just said. Uh, the podcast is on utahstreetreport.com. Uh, and uh, as always, go Orioles, keep the faith, and uh, take it easy, everyone. Well, Scott, this season has been a doozy so far. 
The losses are rapidly piling up, and many players have disappointed. And I worry sometimes that all this bad news is is overwhelming. Yeah, there's got to be something we can do to help our listeners. Maybe something soothing, affirming. Yeah, no, I I, I think you're onto something. I, I like where you're going. So let's um let's do this. Let's head down to the bird's eye view relaxation station. Uh, let's set the proper mood for soothing, positive vibes. Do you, do you have something on the ones and the twos for that? Of course I've got something relaxing in SD Studios. I feel better already. Let's just, um, let's invite the listeners to join us here in, uh, the relaxation station. And so, listeners, at this point, I, I would like you to close your eyes. I'd like you to take a deep breath. And then I'd like you to let it out. That's good. That's good. Now, as you take in these soothing sounds of the Bird's Eye View Relaxation Station, I I want you to know, it's going to be okay. Not everything is terrible. Scott, would you like to hear some good news? Yes, I would. Scott, Trey Mancini is a healthy human being and is playing baseball in 2021. Birdland and the entire baseball community were able to celebrate his story on the big stage in the Home Run Derby of All-Star Week. Trey Mancini put on a show He took us on that journey with him, in which he went all the way to the finals and was the story of the All-Star Game. And in that moment, Orioles fans could breathe deeply. Knowing that they had players to be proud of and that for once... The reason we were talking about the Baltimore Orioles was a story of success and not the butt of a joke. Sometimes the soul needs to be brought down and then back up, resurrected into something better. And there's been no better instance of that, of Cedric Mullins resurrecting his career after being sent down to double A. His performance has been one of the best out of all the outfielders in all of Major League Baseball. And Cedric Mullins will be representing your Baltimore Orioles legitimately in the All-Star Game. He's provided us with plenty of highlights to enjoy over the entire season. And to a somewhat Adam Jones letting him lead the Orioles out onto the field early in his career maybe it was a premonition of the future to come I don't know about you Scott but I'm I'm pretty relaxed I'm just gonna take a moment to bask in the serenity that this Baltimore Orioles season has provided us so far not everything is terrible in fact Think about John Means doing his best impression 
of a Major League Baseball ace. Sure, he's had some injury issues. But John Means pitched a no-hitter for your Baltimore Orioles in 2021. And he looks like a guy who, even if he regresses to the means, he'll still be a Major League caliber pitcher. I think every time we see John Means approach the mound, we need to remember to soak it in, to bask in the relaxation of knowing that's a pretty good player who plays for our team. And there's a pretty good chance I'm going to enjoy at least some of this ball game. In these stressful times, when you're watching balls fall onto the heads of players such as DJ Stewart, I would remind you to say these three words slowly and calmly. Delmarva, Aberdeen, Bowie. That trifecta forms a perfect triangle of the elements necessary to heal your soul and have given forthright life to that of Adley Rutschman, D.L. Hall, Grayson Rodriguez, and Gunnar Henderson. Let that rural goodness soak into you as well as the Royal Farms chicken and the Purdue chicken served at each of these establishments. feel the grease entering into you. This is such a good vibe here in the relaxation station. I don't want what I say next to be misconstrued. I don't want it to sound backhanded or sarcastic, but Scott, leave that negativity at the door. I want you to know that not everything is terrible. And One example is that we have not had to deal with any Chris Davis drama in 2021. While we never want to see a player get hurt, his trip to the IL has meant that we haven't seen him struggle at the plate and have not had to endure the will-they-or-won't-they discussion of cutting or benching Chris Davis. We may not get to enjoy some players at the major league level but we don't have the agony of Chris Davis on this Baltimore Orioles team I'm glad that you're able to crush that agony and misery Scott as we look around in these serene environs I just am so thankful for the things I hear the soothing sounds the gentle breeze the babbling brook the inner peace that's followed us to the relaxation station but one of the things that we have heard this year has been Kevin Brown being an absolute joy in the broadcast booth. 
And while Masson and the Orioles radio network left gaping holes with their departures, the likes of Gary Thorne and Joe Angel, you don't simply replace generational voices like that. However, Kevin Brown has brought insight, humor, and his own personality to the mic. And he's shared the experience with us. And that's what the good ones do. Just as we are choosing to share this positive time together. Namaste, Kevin Brown. Namaste. And I think the best thing we can look forward to out of all this is the fact that we're once again able to sit down and let the feel, the smell, the sights of baseball roll over us, bask over our bodies as we sit there in the jewel of Major League Baseball in Camden Yards. To smell the sights, hear the sounds, be part of the game. It's cathartic and it allows the memories to flow of good times and bad times to form a true yin and yang of being a Baltimore Orioles fan. To being locked out for an entire season, it's emotional for you, for me, but mostly Jake. And on opening day, I'm still reminded of the tears he cried as we attended that first game back. Scott, this, this is a safe place where the stresses of losing cannot reach us. And so listeners, I'll encourage you, when things seem dark in these ages, when things seem stressful, when you are most tempted to copy pasta, join us here in the Bird's Eye View Relaxation Station. Take a deep breath. And remember, every game has a different star. And if not, you know, stuff. Returning for his sixth year as a bevy presenter, please welcome Matt Taylor of The Roar from 34. Greetings, Orioles fans. This is Matt Taylor. You can find me on Twitter at RoarFrom34. And I started blogging forever ago at RoarFrom34.com. If blog years are anything like dog years, Roar From 34 is a robust 105 years old. So yeah, I'm an old timer on new media. Memes? Back in my day, the only thing deep fried was the food in the press box. But I'm... It's always a thrill to participate in the Bevy Awards. I thank Scott and Jake for the invitation. And hey, let's face it, we're all guaranteed a good time when Orioles fans come together to do something other than argue about Michael Elias. Let's talk about baseball. When you're not averting your eyes from the games this season, you may notice some familiar numbers around the diamond for the Orioles. Obviously, there's no 4 or 5, no 8 or 20, no 22 or 33. There is, however, a number 6, 
on Ryan Mountcastle's back, which may produce memories of Jonathan Scope or Melvin Mora. Extra credit if you think of Paul Blair. That 21 in the outfield, Austin Hayes, Nick Markakis. 35 on the mound, Adam Plutko, Mike Messina. There's probably a fun game to be played comparing players who shared various numbers. But this is an award show, so I'd like to introduce the nominees for the Who Wore It Better Award. This award recognizes a current player who wears the same number as a random Oriole worth remembering not so much for their on-field play, but for their place in Orioles lore instead. Let's meet the nominees in numerical order. First, wearing number 11, it's Pat Vileka. Among his Jersey brethren is the inimitable Robert Andino. Andino had the game-winning RBI single against the Boston Red Sox on September 28, 2011 to birth the curse of the Andino. The O's stunned the baseball world that day by having a healthy Nolan Reimold on the field. Look it up on YouTube, kids. Next, there's number 45, Keegan Aiken. His 45 forefather is pitcher Eric Bedard. Now, Bedard had some great years on the bump for the O's, but more importantly, he was the trade asset that netted the Orioles a five-player package from the Seattle Mariners that included Adam Jones, George Sherrill, and Chris Tillman. It's like former general manager Andy McPhail always said, grow the arms and rip off the Mariners to rebuild your downtrodden franchise. Next, wearing number 51, there's Paul Fry. His integer lineage goes back to reliever Terry Matthews. Matthews faced a hostile reaction from the home fans on October 4th, 1997, when he entered Game 3 of the ALDS against the Seattle Mariners. Now, he retired Alex Rodriguez to start the top of the ninth, but then, well, he surrendered back-to-back homers to double the Orioles' 2-0 deficit and make it 4-0. He didn't pitch again that postseason, and the incident was entirely cringeworthy. Don't look it up on YouTube, kids. Finally, wearing number 75, a newbie, Domingo Leyba, and his numerical predecessor is Alan Mills. In 1998, Mills lived up to the old adage, if you can't beat him, well, beat him, as he cold-cocked Daryl Strawberry in the New York Yankees dugout during a wild brawl on May 19, 1998. To quote an old bit from the late, great Chris Farley, that was awesome. Definitely look it up on YouTube, kids. So now it's time to announce the 2021 winner of the Who Wore It Better bevy. And we'd like to offer our congratulations to number 11, Pat Vileka and Robert Andino. Among random Orioles moments, it's tough to top the curse of the Andino. And beyond Baltimore that night, in 2011, produced a game 162 unlike any other night in the history of baseball. Seriously, kids, look it up on YouTube. Please put your hands together and help me welcome to the bevy stage the most tolerant women in baseball, Carrie Magnus and Sarah English, the baseball winners. Birdland, we are the Baseball Widows, and we are excited to be presenting another bevy this year. Since the Orioles seem to need just a little bit of help bringing fans back into the stadium, we are awarding a bevy to the musical artist we would most like to see perform after an Orioles game. 
All right. So hear me out on my first nomination. But what about a hologram performance by Michael Jackson? He was the top-selling musical artist during the last time that the Orioles won the World Series in 1983. Maybe we just need to channel a little bit of good juju from way back when. I like that. And I like that you did your research because my first nominee is Taylor Swift. And that's just because, you know, COVID and all, and we haven't seen her in concert in a really long time. And I would like to see her perform again. Maybe she would donate some of the funds to the team so that they could buy some talent after the concert. Does it work that way? Are there MLB rules against that? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) She could probably be part owner for a day. There you go. For a day? For a decade? (laughs) All right, so my my next nominee is the opposite end of Michael Jackson. He would bring some hope and remembering of good times. But for those of us who just can't get there, Daniel Powder could come and sing on repeat, Had a Bad Day. I feel like that song is already on repeat in my house, <laughs> at least when the Orioles are playing. But I like it. I like it. And my second nominee is Brittany because – she needs a comeback. The Orioles need a comeback. We all need a good comeback story. And wouldn't she just be perfect for the comeback year of the Orioles? All right. And the winner is... Britney Spears! Hashtag free Britney! <laughs> Please welcome back to the bevies, Tyler, Jesse, and Eli of The Warehouse Podcast. Hello, we are The Warehouse Podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Jesse. And I'm Eli. And we are a weekly Orioles podcast that you can check out on the uh, various social medias at The Warehouse Pod and whatever your preferred podcast platform is. And we've been asked to give away an award at this year's Bevies. Our award this year in honor of the Bevy Awards is the Birdland EV Award. Get it? The B-E-V this is the award for the Orioles player most significantly contributing to StatCast's exit velocity charts, among other batting charts. Unfortunately for the Orioles, uh, that means we're actually going to be picking a pitcher for this award. Although one of them is predominantly a position player. And he's not the only one throwing poo-poo. And now for the nominees for the Birdland EV Award. The first nominee is Isaac Matson. This 25-year-old rookie came to the Orioles as one of the four prospects in the Dylan Bundy trade prior to the 2020 season. To this point, he has the same number of innings pitched as he does minor league demotions. That would be two. And his average exit velocity against is 97 miles per hour, with 83.3% of batted balls against him having been hit over 95 miles per hour off the bat. The second nominee for this award was brought into contention because of his impressively short time with the team and the impact his short time had on all of us. Mickey Janice had a very bad debut. It took him 21 hitters to get through three and a third innings. He gave up three home runs in those innings and carried an 18.90 ERA right back with him through waivers and onto Norfolk per StatCast, His expected batting average makes Ted Williams look like a minor leaguer at 496. 
and his expected slugging percentage is higher than the league's leader's OPS at 1.195. He has an average exit velocity north of 95 miles an hour and a max exit velocity of 112 miles per hour given up on a Carlos Correa home run. Our third candidate, he's been in the organization for several years now between the minors and the bigs. He's demonstrated his versatility, making appearances on the infield, outfield, and a couple on the mound. You know him and you love him. He's the only position player to record a save in MLB history, and to my knowledge, the only one who's nicknamed after human feces. That's right, folks. Dr. Poo Poo himself, Stevie Wilkerson, is our next candidate for this award. He has an average pitch velocity of a whopping 45.9 miles an hour. StatCast says he relies entirely on a changeup this year, although he did mix in a four-seam and a slider in 2019. I'm not entirely sure you can call what he's doing a changeup, but we brought him on here to exemplify just how bad the first two candidates have been as both his max exit velocity against and average exit velocity against are lower than those of the first two candidates, and his nickname is Dr. Poo Poo. Stevie Wilkerson, ladies and gentlemen. And the winner of the 2021 Birdland EV Award is... Isaac Matson. <laughs> Congrats to Isaac Matson on his first bevy and first Birdland EV. Well, on that note, we're going to get out of here. We are The Warehouse Podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Jesse. And I'm Eli. Thanks for having us. Once again... Jake and Scott. Well, Scott, there may not be as much as we wanted to cheer for, but, you know, the thing is, is that this is still the team that plays in our hometown. This is still the team that we are associated with. So I thought, you know, maybe we could um, do some word association with the 2021 Orioles. You know, just quick, off-the-cuff responses. Just, you know, the first thing that that comes to your mind and so scott let me just warm you up a little bit here okay um very therapeutic by the way this this will be good yeah yeah, i i think i think this will be good for everybody involved so scott just word association palmer uh drunk Ooh, i like it i like it all right do you have one for me yeah uh how about dark ages present oh that's really dark all right, so I think I get like I get what you're going with. So we are going to throw out like Orioles word association, and then we're going to basically first thing that pops in our head. Um, yeah, let me give yeah. you another one. Um, I, I know this one's near and dear to your heart. How about Nashville? Hmm. I would say not eminent. About to say mine was going to be Matt Taylor, but that's just me. <laughs> maybe maybe it should have been 2024. Uh, it, it, I mean, I think it's going to be at least 2026. Um, <laughs> So, you know, Matt Taylor has got plenty of time before he needs to be the mascot and get into the Orga bird suit. All right. Uh, let me ask you then what uh, what you think of when you when you hear nationals. I need to fill my prescription. <laughs> I was expecting curly W or, or curly fries. Nope. But uh, I need I think... to fill my prescription. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Uh, how about, you know, we, we talked about the dark ages recently, just a few seconds ago. What about rebuild? I would say unknown, mm. right? Cause it's, it's really unknown how the rebuild is going or how it will go. 
Um, you know, it's unknown as to what part of it will and won't work and, uh, you know, when it'll be completed. I, I think that we are, are living in the great unknown. Oh, the abyss and the unknown. We're almost at the end of the void is the best way to describe it. We're not exactly sure what the future holds. Uh, What's, uh, what, what do you think when you hear the words Camden Yards? I think the best. I think it's really funny because, uh, you know, we, we, it is the first thing. Like if you told me, like if you mentioned the word Baltimore to me, the first thing that would pop in my head from Baltimore would be Camden Yards. Okay. You know, we, we, we talked earlier about being, you know, so horrified at at seeing it, uh, referred to as historic Camden Yards. I actually, when I think of Camden Yards, I, I think of, you know, how well it, it has aged. Um, and one of the things I like about it so much is that, you know, they've, they've subtly, you know, re, re, uh, decorated, um, you know, to shift so that there's, you know, more orange in the park than, than ever before. I don't know. I, I think it's, uh, it's a, it's aging like a fine wine. I, I think, you know, it's funny you mentioned the aspect of historic because if I was thinking about the word historic, I would think also Jake English's love life. Historic. Ouch. Ouch. Uh, Scotty, hit me up with just your instant reaction okay. when you hear the word massive. Broke. <laughs> All right. Good. Uh, but I'll tell you, my my reaction to that one would have been rodeo. I was to say, Cowboy Monkey Radio? <laughs> yes. Yes. It's funny because, you know, Jeff Arnold's on there, too, and uh, he truly is Cowboy Monkey Rodeo. He does represent Cowboy Monkey Rodeo. Yeah. I wonder if no. Jeff Arnold realizes that in our heads, this going forward, that we think Jeff Arnold on the radio, we think, oh, Cowboy Monkey Rodeo. I, th- I think that he is dealing with a far less entertaining product now than when he was calling games for, I, for Frederick. I'm pretty sure there are more people in the stands in Frederick watching Cowboy Monkey Radio than there are for most Orioles games. <laughs> All right, Scotty, what about this one? What do you think when you hear rule changes ghost runner <laughs> uh yes it I is hope... good to hear that they are considering eliminating ghost runner you know the seven inning double headers that um you know covid as it is is coming to an end both in the world that we live in um but also baseball as a whole i will believe what comes out of rob manfred's mouth uh when, when pigs fly listen as soon as you propose a legitimate bid you know we'll give it consideration <laughs> i am so bitter i am so so bitter i started looking at at twitter this week uh and and t- you know all the praise being lavished upon uh, uh Coors field and how how at, nice uh, as much as that home run derby was fun as heck can you imagine once again having a home run derby at Cannon Yards and people hitting the warehouse? It would be amazing. It would be amazing. And it would just be the perfect backdrop for the game. Absolutely. Jake, speaking about um, proposals and bids to Major League Baseball with uh, to Rob Manfred, let me throw another name at you. Let me throw out the name Angelos and what you associate with that. Can I cheat? Sure. I would like to use two a two-word phrase. Oh, about to say, I, I assumed I could say whatever I want in this podcast. I'm going to go with fresh start. Ooh. Uh, because I think that now that, that Peter is all but completely removed from the running of the organization, from the baseball operations, I get it. There's a lot of Angelo's hate out there. 
But John is running the team now. And so for the Angelos ownership group, we really are in the midst of a fresh start. Can I tell you a story? Tell me a story. Uh, let me tell you a quick story. So I uh, mentioned this in the last podcast. Uh, I mentioned that I've been going to a few games. Um, I was wandering around uh, on that Friday when they were doing the reusable water bottles right before I thought there was going to be a rain delay. Uh, and obviously I'm trying to find shelter. So I'm going over to the warehouse. I'm going over to like the, that central store area and I'm going over to those bathrooms in there. I walk into the bathrooms and I go up to the urinals and guess who's right there? Uh, John Angelus is right there. And I just turned to him, looked him <laughs> in the eye to the side and I said, hey, keep doing what you're doing. There are so few people that are going to get that reference, Scott. <laughs> but you know who's going to get it? Jake English is going to get it. <laughs> All right. Uh, word association when you hear the word loss. Uh, common. <laughs> yeah. All too common, right? Yeah. What about win? Like, just let's go the opposite. What do you What do you connotate with that? Oh, I've got a I've got a good one for this. Weekly. Oh, I, I like that one. I, I, I like that one a lot. Uh, and then, you know, kind of closing it out off of that aspect of the wins and losses. Uh, if I give you the word standings, where would you where would you put us? Unnecessary. See, I just go with bottom or like seal. I like like it, it. And I always think back to this basis of like, you know, Camden Yards, again, the historic aspect. I always think back to the flag court with the flags that are there and like where they're always positioned. And I'm like. You really never have to change that Oriole flag, do you? Like the other flags kind of get shuffled throughout the season, but the Oriole flag just constantly remains on that one pole. <laughs> During the All-Star break, Henry was asking me about the order of the ALE standings, and I realized that I didn't know one to five because I haven't I have not looked at the standings all season. Yeah. I haven't I haven't had any need. It's unnecessary to check the standings. The last time I checked, and again, I, I'm in the same boat that you are, Jake. And the only way I know this is by looking at those flags on the flag court when I was wandering around Camden Yards. It was like Red Sox, Rays, Blue Jays, Yankees, and then in that last position pole, Orioles. But you know, it's interesting. You know, I, I they threw up a few standings um at the All-Star game. Uh, and just showed like how competitive the American League East was, I and mean, even you know the Yankees are. I think they're like seven or eight games behind right now. Um, and then you've got the Baltimore Orioles, twenty six games behind. Because again, what's the point of looking at the at the standings? Um, you know, there are other things to be looking at at this given time. I'm telling you, twenty six game win streak. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be insane. Um, Bowie is going to be a wildfire when they have a twenty six game winning streak. I'm definitely going to be there. All right, last one. Okay. Word association, jockey. Oh, I mean, I have to go with Palmer at that point because what else would I be thinking about? Oh, I'm going back to the first bevies when we said that this, the, the show had gone too long mm -hmm. and we needed to wrap things up. And Scott, they've pulled out the hook and on the hook, it says jockey. All right, well, let's wrap this up and uh, go on to our next award section. Please welcome back to the bevies, Katie and Kyla of O's Windup. As many of you know, Jeff Arnold loves to explain things in units of deuces. Deuces on the base, deuces outs, deuces wild, deuces wild. In his honor, we've decided to submit the Deuces Wild Award for best broadcasting team. Or you could say the best broadcasting 
Deuce. Deuce. Oh. <laughs> Deuce. <laughs> However many deuces fits yeah. into the sentence. <laughs> so at number three, also known as at Deuce and a Half, <laughs> we have <laughs> Melanie Newman and Kevin Brown. <laughs> Love their repartee. Love hearing them on the radio. That is a team that will make me turn on the radio to listen. Agreed. Number two. At, Deuce. At Deuce. <laughs> we have Kevin Brown and Jim Palmer. Wow. Jim Palmer really gives you a lot of information. He never forgets a fact. And Kevin Brown can really just call a game. Call a game and doesn't interrupt Jim Palmer, which puts him light years ahead of Scott Gersow. Yes. And then at number one... With half a deuce, we have Kevin Brown and Ben McDonald winning this year's Deuce is Wild Award. Award. They are the best, best deuce. So We love Ben McDonald's colorful play-by-play analysis, all of those terms, curveball hurts your feelings, and again, Kevin Brown with his beautiful descriptions of what's going on in the game with just the right amount of levity thrown in. Exactly. Congratulations to Kevin Brown and Ben McDonald. And thank you to Jeff Arnold for really introducing us to the term deuce. Without <laughs> winning a single Deuces Wild Award. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go. Please welcome Jake English of the Bird's Eye View podcast. For our second bevy of the program, we're going to return to an old favorite. And we're going to award this year's Brian Mattis Ice Flow Award. Now, if you'll remember back to 2016, we awarded the Ice Flow Award to Brian Mattis. But you may be asking, what is the Ice Flow Award? Well, in in certain cultures, um, when uh, old, useless, and worn out members of a community were no longer serviceable to that community, Uh, They would be reverently marched out to an ice flow where the rest of the community would then take long poles and push that ice flow into the sea and watch as their distinguished but no longer useful members of the community would simply float away. Back in 2016, we felt very strongly that, that Brian Mattis should be the one pushed out into the ice. And so here in 2021... The real question is, who is the Ice Flow Award winner? And we have a number of candidates. The first candidate is Matt Harvey. Matt Harvey is, uh, well, it would be a stretch to call him a pitcher, but he has thrown the ball while wearing an Orioles uniform, habitually not going deep into games and frustrating everyone involved. Our next candidate, Pedro Severino. Pedro Severino has the misfortune of holding the job that everyone wants Adley Rutschman to have. And, while we've waited, Severino has failed to hit consistently, and even more frustratingly, failed to catch effectively as a catcher. We could say that it hasn't been perfect. Certainly. Our next candidate is going to go to Cesar Valdez, who has failed to keep his fish dead. Cesar Valdez came in as the undisputed Orioles closer, if you can call him that, and then through injury and ineffectiveness, lost that position and is difficult to watch at times. 
leading everyone to wonder what role he might actually have on this club. And our final candidate is Travis Lakin Sr., who, frankly, we're not really sure why he's here. He's here. Yeah. So those are our candidates for the 2021 Brian Mattis Ice Flow Award. And the winner is... In a tightly contested contest, it's Matt Harvey. Oh, imagine that. Matt Harvey, gather your things. We will get our polls. So let's go ahead and push him out right now. Looks like he's getting about three innings in. And, oh, look, he, he is sinking now. So we couldn't even get him out into, into the water. He, he sunk after three innings. Congratulations, Matt. Congratulations. Returning to present his fourth Bevy Award, please welcome Nathan Andrews of Full Count Chaos. Hey folks, Nathan here from Full Count Chaos here to present the award for the funniest comment from an Orioles announcer describing how bad the Orioles are doing during a game. Now before we get started, I want to thank the guys over at Bird's Eye View for inviting me back again to be a part of the Bevies. Always an exciting time of year when the Bevies have arrived, and we're glad you were able to tune in as well to be a part of it. So we all appreciate that. Now, I'm sure we've all had our moments yelling at the TV, cussing out whichever Orioles player struck out with bases loaded or seeing the reliever come in and blow the goddamn lead. Well, sometimes the announcers get frustrated too, but they have to stay professional and try to put a little funny into their frustration to try and soften their comment so it doesn't sound so harsh. So between Ben McDonald, Jim Palmer, Scott Garceau, and Kevin Brown, they've all had some funny comments describing the agony of watching the Orioles this season. Here are the nominees for the funniest comment from an Orioles announcer describing how bad the Orioles are doing during a game in 2021. Jim Palmer, when he said, the bad news is the Orioles are losing 11 to nothing. The good news is the game is almost over. Ben McDonald, when he said, these are the kind of games where Brandon Hyde goes to sleep and wakes up hoping this was all a nightmare. Unfortunately, when he wakes up, he'll quickly be reminded the nightmare was real. Kevin Brown, when he said, people say you learn a lot about yourself when you lose in sports. There will be a lot of learning to go around after this game. And Scott Garceau, when he said, if this was a football game, the Orioles would need two touchdowns to catch up. Unfortunately, they haven't even gotten a first down today. All right, a lot of great comments there, a lot of funny ones trying to describe how painful it is on the games that we're watching with the Orioles getting beat up bad. But of course, there can only be one winner. And the winner goes to... Kevin Brown for saying, people say you learn a lot about yourself when you lose in sports. There will be a lot of learning to go around after this game. Congratulations, Kevin, on the award. Unfortunately, he couldn't be here with us today to accept the award, but he did send me a text letting me know this award is one he will never forget. All right, folks, I'm out of here. Until next time, see you. And now, here are Jake and Scott for the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good and the bad and the ugly at the Bevies is always exciting. It's exciting because on a week-to-week -week basis, we use this segment as an opportunity to look at very small sample sizes, which goes against, Everything. frankly, a lot of our values. <laughs> but the Bevies gives us the opportunity to look back at an entire body of work and determine, over the long haul, for the first half, who has been good, 
who has been bad and who has been ugly. And so I will go ahead and get started with my good. But Scott, I think the question that we have to ask ourselves is what is the metric of success for the good, the bad, and the ugly? It would be very convenient for me to take a look at the stats and say, ah, this guy at the top, he was good. Well, that may very well be the case, but what are we doing here Mm -hmm. in 2021? Well, in my humble opinion, I think that we are looking for future pieces, for future useful Orioles in a time where we may hope to win. And so I'm going to tell you my good for the first half is serious. Okay. My good is Ramon Urias. All right. And I say this because I think he has cemented himself as a valuable utility player. Someone who can stick around, who can be depended upon, who can hit a little bit, who can play a number of positions. And that player is useful when we have a competent team around him. The thing about uh, Urias is that he's actually, you know, had an okay season so far. In 113 plate appearances, he has a 124 weighted weighted runs created plus. And that's not incredible. But when you look at the other people involved in the infield, whether it be Ruiz, whether it be Baleka, Urias stands out as being actually functional as a player. And as you mentioned before, solid defensively as well. Absolutely. And so... I know it's a little outside the box, but my good is going to be Urias for the first half. Yeah, I think that's a great call out. And I think, you know, as you pointed out, uh, it is an individual that has put out there 113 plate appearances. And as of recent, has been really interesting and really encouraging. Um, And it's something definitely for Orioles fans to watch going into that second half of the year as well. And the thing is, if we don't think much of our second tier players, Remember who's, Remember how many games Ryan Flaherty started in the Absolutely. playoffs, right? You, you don't always get to go with your top nine guys. Absolutely. And, you know, Ryan Flaherty didn't need to hit the foul pole. He just hit, hit home runs in the playoffs. Uh, my good is going to go to someone also um, ready for the future, and it's got to go to Cedric Mullins. Cedric Mullins, uh, I understand that, you know, Jake wants to get abstract. Um, he went to some kind of liberal arts school, so I completely understand uh, but Cedric Mullins has been absolutely the story of the first half of the Baltimore Orioles, uh, posting a 314 average, a 380 on base percentage, 151 rated ones credit plus, uh, a 3.8 F war for, for the first half of the season. Folks, uh, you know, he is um, having a better season um, than Adam Jones ever did. And it's as simple as that. that. That is a good way to print perspective. And that is no knock against Adam Jones. Adam Jones is an amazing baseball player. Um, Cedric Mullins is playing at or above that at this given moment. Um, so again, really looking forward to seeing what Cedric Mullins puts together in the second half of the year. I'm not expecting it to be quite as good as the first half, but if Cedric Mullins can finish out a a season on this team with a five plus F war, um, you're entering into the territory of other dark ages heroes, such as a Brian Roberts or Nick Markakis, or a Melvin Mora. And ultimately, you hope that that person is going to be available uh, when this team is good again. Uh, And Cedric Mullins is young enough um, and is under team control long enough 
where we've talked about it for a while on this prog- podcast, who is going to service the foundation? I love Trey Mancini. Love him with my heart. But Trey is definitely getting up there in age. Cedric Mullins could be part of one of those foundational position players based off the performances that he's putting out on the field on a day-in and day-out basis at this given time. Hey, he was good. He was good. He was good. He's really good. Let's go ahead and look at the bad. And uh, I don't want to be overly negative, but there are a few candidates that make sense for this can- uh, category. I'm going to go with Cesar Valdez. And the reason uh, that I that I think that he is worth uh, highlighting as bad is because of how disappointing his fall from grace was. A lot of people bought in to Valdez. You know, the dead fish was something people really passionate about. Watching a guy go out and and pitch from you know seventy eight to eighty four miles an hour with seven different change ups and a weird delivery and watch the ball dance all around was entertaining baseball. And and I I have no uh, lack of respect for anybody that bought in and thought this is fun to watch. The only problem is that it wasn't fun to watch after a while. Valdez was not fun. He was, in fact, bad. And as he sits with an ERA that is approaching seven, you have to wonder, not just how long is he going to be bouncing around back there in the bullpen, but how long is he going to be on the 40-man? Um, and to go from a guy who was so effective in a short span in 2020 to someone who's now you know, on that proverbial bubble, that's a bummer. That's bad. Yeah, so my bad is going to go to two individuals that we had some confidence with coming out of spring training that have put up nothing of um, worth or note. And that's going to go to Dean Creamer and Keegan Aiken. You know, we talked about it when spring training broke. You know, I mentioned Dean Creamer and I said, it makes sense that he's not breaking with the team to begin with because of how um, the schedule lined up. But eventually he was going to be up and it was going to be his time to basically spotlight whether or not he was ready for the majors. And Dean Kramer, you know, over 12 starts posted a 7.25 ERA, a 6.53 FIP, and a 5.50 XFIP. In addition to, you know, the K rate was decent at 8.15, but the walk rate at 4.35 was poor. And again, that makes sense of, you know, Kramer didn't show the command that was necessary to be a major league baseball pitcher. And as such, you know, when he was demoted back into the minors, it wasn't a basis of we're optioning him just to kind of get another arm. It was a comment made of we're optioning him because we feel like he needs additional, you know, significant time down there in order to figure out how he is going to potentially be a major league pitcher. That's extremely disappointing um, because Kramer could have been a fourth or fifth starter um, and still has the talent to potentially do that. You know, we just talked about, uh, you know, Cedric Mullins. Hopefully someone like Dream Kramer can do that and, and fill in that role. And Keegan Aiken tried to take on that role, but has been very similar to Dean Kramer, posting an 8.74 case per nine and a 3.38 walks per nine with a very similar ERA and a very similar FIP and XFIP as well. So I think when you look at Creamer and Aiken combined, you've got two individuals that we'll call them not top prospects, but within your top 10 prospects that in essence couldn't pan out as fourth and fifth starters. And that's got to be disappointing to the Baltimore Orioles, 
because you're hoping for at least some growth uh, in order to further broaden out that foundation of your two top prospects in Grace Rodriguez and D.L. Hall. All right, it's time to take a look at the ugly. For me, the ugly was the catching situation uh, here in Baltimore. I'm going to throw out Austin Wins. It's not really his fault. Um, He's an org soldier, and he's he's here because of the failures of others. Um, But, you know, Austin Wins in in 51 plate appearances is a 46 win runs creative plus, uh, which is better, by the way, than Chance Sisko's 28 and uh, just under Pedro Severino's 74. The catchers were almost non-existent from a production standpoint. Um, and again, defensively, those guys showed a lot of cracks. Uh, Austin Wins has been solid defensively. Uh, but Chance Sisko and Pedro Severino have, have looked shaky from a receiving standpoint, from a blocking standpoint. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's kind of a shame to watch a guy like Chance Sisko, you know, uh, slide out of the organization. And again, you know, just like we talked about earlier, it, it's even more frustrating because there is good catching on the horizon, right? We know that Rutschman is coming. And so with that expectation, it just puts their performance that much more in perspective. And to me, it was it was disappointing. So uh, for, for my ugly for the first half, uh, it was the catchers. And my ugly, you know, it's not going to be so much play on the field, but more so that is going around us. And it's got to be, you know, the Elias bashers and folks that are upset with how the Orioles are doing. Folks, if you came into the 2021 season and you were expecting to see miracles, I'm sorry, you were looking in the wrong place. You know, there are some really good things going on, and we covered that earlier in the show. Uh, Yeah, take a deep breath. But the fact of the matter is, Everyone knew the Orioles were going to finish at the bottom of the AL East. It was more a question of how many wins were they going to have. Um, but this notion that, you know, this means the rebuild process isn't working. Michael Elias doesn't know what he's doing. You know, no one knows that at this point. And again, we are um, about 60% of the way through. Um, and we've got another, we'll call it three to four years before we know whether it was a successful process or it was a failed process. And ultimately it's going to determine on the basis of how well Adley Brutchman does, how well Grayson Rodriguez does and how well DL Hall does. But the fact that folks are getting bent out of shape over how the chairs on the Titanic are being rearranged in the 2021 season, you folks are the ones that are ugly. If you're getting bent out of shape over that, go down to Bowie Go down to Delmarva, go over to Aberdeen, enjoy some of the baseball for the future, and just relax. The bevies are near a merciful end. But before we go, here again are Jake English and Scott Magnus. Well, listeners, we have reached the end of another Bevies Award program. As always, we'd like to thank you. This project simply would not work without you. We're humbled. We're appreciative that so many of you spend an hour a week with us celebrating or commiserating over the Baltimore Orioles. And thanks to those of you who have reached out over the years. We have met so many amazing people throughout this podcast. Now more than ever, um, you know, people are really what bring this podcast and this community together. 
Uh, so don't be a stranger. Reach out, say hello, uh, question, comment, criticize us. You know, we're here is the best way to put it. Um, through the struggles, the miseries, through the woe, uh, so that when celebrations do once again happen in Birdland, we can do it together. We'd also like to take a moment to thank our wives, the baseball widows, Carrie and Sarah, who are really so tolerant and indulgent of this whole podcast thing. Um, you know, many folks you know know about them because of the Mother's Day episodes. Um, I don't think they really knew what they were getting into when they married us, um, but they're really nice about it. Uh, and they're still having us after this many years. Thank you to the many, many people who make Bird's Eye View possible. Uh, our logo is the work of the phenomenal guys over at OBP Apparel. Our theme song, Watching the Orioles, is by Songs from the Moon. The interstitial music that you hear each week is No Robots by Black Dog Prowl and Mania by The Last Year. And as always, we want to extend a very special thank you to the voice of the bevies, Jovial Jay Shepard. Thank you again for listening to the ninth Bevy Awards. I cannot believe we've done this nine times. Nine times? Nine times. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fun adieu adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. Thank you for listening to the ninth annual Bevy Awards. For more lack of insight and baseless opinion, subscribe to the Bird's Eye View podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. New episodes drop weekly during the season and monthly in the off-season. Get social with Bird's Eye View on Facebook, Snapchat, and Instagram, but the best place to get a hold of them is on Twitter, where they tweet at Bird's Eye View Ball. That's Bird's Eye View B-A-L. You can get more from me on Jedi Journals, the longest-running Star Wars literature podcast in the galaxy at forcecast.net, as well as other podcasts that I host, including Superhero Suite, Scarlet Velocity, a Flash podcast, and Enjoy Stuff, where we find the fun in everything, over at retrozap.com. Once again, this is Jovial J signing off for the 9th Annual Bevy Awards. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.